Mark Giordano staying home on a team-friendly extension. The Bolts sweeping the Cats in the second round of the playoffs. And Nazem Kadri back in the news cycle and is the focal point in the playoff series. Once again, we'll explain all that and more on today's edition of Locked On Leafs. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On These Podcasts, one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive and TSN 1050's Leafs Lunch. Joining me, it's my co-host, Dave Morissuti from Sportsnet, also a writer for the NHLPA. Locked On Leafs is a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast, so make sure that you subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also now catch us on video on YouTube. That's Locked On Leafs on YouTube. Smash that like like button hit subscribe all that good stuff would be greatly appreciated dave uh we got uh, a a busy show we've got we had some breaking news over this long weekend mark giordano sticking around town for a couple more years but uh before we get into that dave how was your long weekend bud long weekend. weekend it was your birthday weekend birthday weekend so got the got the boosters from the family got some nice i got Two different cakes this weekend. I'm not gonna yeah. lie; that's that's a pretty pretty sweet deal. In Why did that happen? How did you get two different cakes? Well, okay, so the first one was a planned one with my family, obviously getting a, a, a nice DQ ice cream cake. I'm a big ice cream cake fan, and then a good buddy of ours, you know, Jose, uh, went to school together. Yeah, shout out Jose. Showed up at my house with a. Cheesecake Factory chocolate mousse cake, and I'm just like, damn! What did I do to get two cakes on my birthday? <laughs> so I, so I got to enjoy a nice sweet birthday. Had to work off a couple extra, uh, a couple of those cakes with a little more work this weekend, but not gonna complain about the end result for sure. No, you weren't the only one who was hard at work. Uh, I mean, your work taking down a couple of cakes wasn't as busy as the work that uh, Kyle Dubas got up to this weekend. As uh, he and Mark Giordano able to hammer out a pretty tidy two-year extension to stick around with the Maple Leafs. It's two years, 800000 per, so in total $1.6 million for Mark Giordano. Um Man, I, I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting this. Like, I knew he wanted to he wanted to return. He made that pretty clear mm-hmm. in his year-end presser, his availability. You know, and he said, we'll see what happens. It's up to my my agent and Kyle Dubas. So he wanted to return, but it was going to be, you know, is what it is. I figured, okay, if he is going to come back, it probably would be on a rather cheap deal. I'm thinking, you know, million, million and a half. I think I'd be happy with that. And then all of a sudden, I, I see, you know, the Maple Leafs tweet this away, or I, I think Darren Dreger, I think, said there's a deal in place. And then uh, I think Frank Saravalli came through with the details. Two years, 800000 I was like, what? What was your first initial reaction to that price? Yeah, I know. The 800000 I'm just like, did I? Did they mistakenly put Mark Giordano's name in front of Jason Spezza? Like, that, <laughs> that's the deal we have come to. Ex- you know what? You know what the funny thing is, is we come to expect similar deals to this. 
but I didn't expect Mar Giordano to take a deal like this. Like I was reading, I think the Toronto star put out an article and saying, this is a guy that could get $3 million on the open market. And I'm just like, potentially yes, but the Leafs were not going to be paying $3 million for a Mark Giordano. There's just no way. And yeah, it felt like they had the, they had the leg up because he really wanted to stay. And I think the other part that I found interesting was that apparently the, the agreement was for a million, and then Giordano actually said, "Uh, we can we can shave a couple hundred thousand off on that one." Isn't that beautiful? Ain't that something? Someone willing to take a discount? And I know it's it's the old Toronto Greybeards Club that seem to be the only guys taking discounts these days. Whether it's Simmons, Spezza, now you can throw Giordano into the mix here. I mean, when it's it's nice to see, and hopefully this is something that because they're. You know, maybe the younger guys, not necessarily, you know, the ones who already paid, but, you know, someone like Lilligren, someone like Sandine, who do still need those contracts, or maybe an Andre Kasha, you know, Pierre Engvall, guys who are coming up for renewal this year. And they're like, look, Mark Giordano came out and said publicly, he believes that this team can get it done. That's why he he's at a point where he's never won a Stanley Cup. He wants to be with the team that can win a Stanley Cup. He feels like the Maple Leafs are that team. But he also understands the cap crunch that they're in. Therefore, that extra two hundred grand that he himself took off of the top, like Dubas is like, what you know, two years, one million. Let's sign. He's like, no, 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 eight hundred thousand. Put that two hundred towards something else, and let's try and 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 just get this done. Okay, sure. I'm hoping that maybe now we could see Rasmus Sandin take a bit of a not a pay cut, but you know, he's somebody who maybe won't uh, you know stick it to Dubas to get full market value or Lilligren or, or, or Engvall or Kasha, you know, any of these guys, perhaps they come in a little bit lower than what we initially thought they would come at. Um, and it's just because they're seeing these other guys do these discounts. Now I get it. You know, Gio's made tons of money over his career. He can do this. It's not going to hurt him, but I wonder if, you know, he's setting a good precedent here. Uh, here's one of the quotes that we had from, uh, from Mark Giordano today. He said, I'm definitely blessed to have had the career I've had so far and be in a position financially where I'm in a good spot. So I wasn't worried about the hard negotiating or anything like that. At the end of the day, I want to be here. I love the team and I want to do what I can to help this team move forward and win. And I'll leave it at that and all the other stuff. Uh, it, it is what it is. And I made decisions for different reasons. So that was his response to taking the pay cut. And uh, I guess, uh, you know, thanks for being selfless, Gio. And he also went on to say that, like, a two-year deal was something he wanted specifically that he was happy to get because it feels like he can become more of a leader on this club knowing that he's going to be here for a couple of seasons. Yeah. No, I think this is what – and people have to realize that, yeah, Giordano's making a sacrifice, but he's also getting a guaranteed two-year deal with this right right so he's it's not like he may you know he's not you know betting on himself for a one year like kind of like al spezza did where spezza was taking year after year and almost like you're taking a bigger gamble because that's not a full commitment from the team right so no i think i think it just it speaks to the leafs finally kind of taking advantage once again taking advantage of a player, not taking advantage of a player, but taking advantage of the fact that a player wants to stay here. And yeah, I, I'm just hoping it also sets the right precedent for the rest of the roster. The guys that either want to leave 
and make their money or stay and try to build off of and try to finally come up with the answer to what has been such a disappointing few years because of the lack of ability to move past the first round. Right. Um, but the next question I guess we have for Giordano is, is what, what are your expectations of him? I, I think he came in and he totally gave me like exactly what I wanted him to do with his time here in Toronto this year after the deadline. He did exactly what I wanted to do. He, he may have even exceeded expectations a little bit in the way that he elevated a guy like Timothy Lilligren and elevated, you know, Justin Hall when they played together at times. Um, but what are your expectations for him? Cause he's going to be 39 this season when the year starts turns 39 on October 3rd, you still expect for this guy to be an 82 game uh, player at this point, or is he somebody who maybe you filter in and out, give him the odd night off, or you still have decently high expectations that he's a daily, you know, third pair type of guy who has some tread left on the tires. Yeah, I really did ponder this thought and he played 75 games this past season. So it's not like he's on a decline in terms of being able to play a heavy workload. But I also have you also have to think of the age. You also have to think of the miles on him. If he doesn't play 82 games, it's not a disappointment considering what they're paying him. I think it almost comes with the expectation that you don't have to play an 82 game season because the, we've come to expect to learn. The regular season doesn't mean as much if you can't get it done in the playoffs. And I'd rather not overwork a Mark Giordano and make sure that he is primed and ready to go for the playoffs. So, yeah, I don't think we need to see 82 games from how much he plays. That depends on how the Leafs can, you know, work, can make the workload kind of situate properly with the rest of the lineup. So really quickly, I'll go over some of the like some of the numbers, I guess, for Mark Giordano this season. And, and he had a you know he had a he had a decent year, I guess. It wasn't the greatest season that he's ever had. But uh, I'm just looking at the five on five numbers right now. And with Toronto, since the trade coming over to Toronto, that is, you know, he had seven points at five on five, and probably actually I can quickly see what you know the the full numbers are, I suppose. Uh, for right now, but at five on five ended up with, you know, that many points. And then this year with Toronto, so 12 points in the 12 game in the 20 games since coming over to Toronto, um, which is pretty darn good. 12 points through 20 games for a third pair defenseman. That's not too shabby. And then you take a look at the advanced numbers a little bit Had a, a Corsi of 53% um, had an expected goals of 60%, a scoring chance, expected scoring chances of 58%. So the guy drove offense each and every time he was out there. And this is somebody who played on the PK, played on the power, played all positions, really. Like he could kill penalties, played second unit power play minutes, and obviously at five on five. So he did a whole lot for this club. I'd be curious to see how his role changes as he, you know, he, he gets a little bit older. His minutes maybe get scaled back a little bit. But, I mean, th you take a look at at 39 years old, why can't he continue just to be a third-pair guy who can play 18 minutes a night and very successfully? We saw that out of Zidane Chara for a very long time. Um, so I think that Gio is a guy who he didn't show, you know, that he was falling off drastically this season. So hopefully over the course of a summer, he can continue to build. 
or at least not fall off too, too much. Um, all right, before we move on and we talk a little bit about Florida getting swept and, and also, you know, what's going on with Nazem Kadri right now, uh, what what do you think that this blue line looks like right now? Because by signing Mark Giordano, this now gives the team, uh, this what, five guys who they have signed under contract at this very moment, or, or well, four. Yeah, so they'll have Morgan Riley, Jake Muzzin, TJ Brody, Justin Hall, and now, yeah, Mark Giordano makes it five guys who they have under contract right now. And then they still got to re-sign Rasmus Sandin and Timothy Lilligren. My question to you, Dave, by bringing in Gio, do you see one of those other players, left-shot defensemen, getting dealt this summer as part of a package to either bring in a top four right shot guy or a top six, you know, goal scoring power forward winger type of player. Do you think we see that? Cause now we've got, if they sign both Lilligren and Sandine, now they've got seven NHL caliber defensemen who are everyday NHLers. And I'm not so sure that this is a team that necessarily uh, can afford to have all of that. Um, or at least they can, but you don't want to have a guy like Sandine or Lilligren sitting on the outside looking in. Perhaps maybe Justin Hall could get dealt, but now you're a little short on right-hand shooting guys. I wonder what this does or if we see any player movement if you're bringing in Giordano, um, especially and more specifically to, to left-shot defensemen. Yeah, I've been I've been pondering this, this, this thing because really I think it comes down to, yeah, you're either moving Justin Hall, which that's a tough one because you got to be able to replace him as you said in the lineup which some people say won't be difficult but you have to think about the position and what he brings he didn't look terrible with Giordano maybe he's the guy that that's the pairing you go with there I think it comes down to Sandine or Muzzin that's where I think it goes because there is that surplus of left shot D you have to think about the fact that Sandine can't go down to the Marlins so he has to be in the NHL next season and You've got Sandine and Lilligren. That's those are two players that are kind of eerily similar. Um, I'd rather have Lilligren because he is that right shot and he has you know shown improvement and being able to play in the NA. I mean, obviously Sandine. No, Sandine. I mean, before the injury, this guy was carving out himself to, to be an, an everyday NHL. Yeah, like that's the tough part. It's just Where's this? Like, you there is a surplus, but you have to think you have to be very careful on where if you're going to make a subtraction, the, the equation has to fit. I don't know if it fits per, like easily when you're trying to move a blue line because a, a guy on the blue line because other teams know that there's a surplus and they're not going to be like, oh, we're going to make this easy and give them everything the Leafs want, right? Um, so it all depends on where they see Jordano fit in the lineup. Because that, if he's on the third pairing, then you're either saying, is Sandine a second pairing defenseman? That's a tough one to ask on him. Uh, or, so if you're not, if you're going to get rid of Sandine, is Muzzin, are you ready to bank on Muzzin? Did he do enough in the playoffs to show that he could stick around for the rest of his contract and live up to his contract? Yeah, I, I think if you can. He could find a partner because Muzzin, I think I would feel comfortable with Muzzin if his partner was TJ Brody. I would not if it was Justin Hall, right? So 
that, it depends who his partner is going to be. So if you're if you're thinking Brody, you know Brody and Muzzin as your second pair, Geo and you know Hall or Lilligren, I guess as your third pair. All of a sudden, it's like okay, so you're going to put Sandine up on your top pair on the right side alongside Morgan Riley? Maybe not. Maybe you package together Rasmus Sandine, a young up and coming defenseman who could be a top four guy at some point. Or you package up, uh, you know, a Justin Hall, or maybe it is a Timothy Lilligren, and you have Hall play on that third pair. But you package up one of these two young defensemen, and you use it to go out and get yourself a partner for Morgan Riley. Or you use those defensemen, you go, you get yourself a uh, top six, you know, gritty goal-scoring winger like people have been talking about. They want to add a little tenacity to that top six. Maybe you can use that as a package to go and get it. Like, is Sandine plus, plus, plus maybe that base to go and get a JT Miller as opposed to maybe having to move out a William Nylander? Like, maybe you can get a little bit more creative with picks and prospects to make a big trade, um, whether it's, you know, to go and get, you know, Miller or maybe it's a Scott Lawton or it's somebody else. I don't know. But maybe that's a, a situation or a scenario that you could go in. I mean, you brought up Jake Muzzin. The only way you're moving that guy is if you believe that one of either Sandine or Giordano could play top four minutes. And I don't know if I'd be willing to bank on that uh, going into next year. That's 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 tough to ask, especially yeah. if Giordano's play. He only played third pairing minutes. He didn't move up to the top four. Sandine didn't play top four either. So it's like you're asking them to do something that they haven't done. Sure, maybe that's, that has to come with the sacrifice of you have to make moves elsewhere. I'm just, that might be too too tough of a, or maybe they're reimagining the defense up in a different way where it's like a Brody Lilligren pairing. I don't know. It, it's, it just seems like it's, it's a really tough, this is the, probably the toughest decision I think Kyle Dubas is going to have to make is what happens with this blue line. Even though he has to make moves in a lot of other areas, the blue line could... It was really good this season, in my opinion. You don't want to see it take a step back. Yeah, that, that that's that's totally true. You do not want to see it take a step back. And I think that's why you go out and you bring back, you know, Mark Giordano, because he did help elevate whoever was playing with him on that third pair. Um, and he's just a great locker room guy, you know, Toronto guy. Part of now, part of the the Toronto Greybeard group, who's willing to take that discount to try and bring a Stanley Cup to the city of Toronto, and uh, I think obviously we're hoping that eventually that pays off. You know, whether it's next year, the year after, at some point, you know, hopefully it pays off for these guys, Spets included, um, Simmer, and obviously now you can add Mark Giordano to the mix of of that group. All right, uh, I'm sure we'll have tons of conversations about what to do with the defensemen, um, potentially some some free agents or some trade targets. And we can kind of play armchair GM uh, you know, later on in the offseason. But uh, at the end of the day, Mark Giordano back in Toronto next year, two-year deal paying him $800,000 cap hit over the next two seasons. Uh, so $1.6 million in total. Uh, so Gio sticking around, and he'll be a Maple Leaf going forward. All right. We'll take a quick break when we get back. 
Let's get into this Tampa-Florida series, which is now over, David. It's over a four-game sweep by the Tampa Bay Lightning on the Fraudula Panthers. We'll get into that. We'll get into Nazem Kadri and what's going on and his situation. Uh, and we'll do that all when we get back. But first, Dave, I want to tell the good folks about Bill Barr. Yep, we've already seen Bill Barr take their game to the next level when they brought out the birthday cake puffs. Well... They're doing it again, folks. They're bringing out the brownie batter. Yep. Imagine taking a scoop of that brownie spatula, but add some protein to it. Well, you're in luck because Built has a new creation. This one is better than ever. The brownie batter puff. Yep. You heard me right. The puff takes protein bars to a whole new level, and they're available right now at Built.com. If you haven't heard of, of the Built Puffs, I'm not sure what you're waiting for because puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow that are covered in 100% real chocolate with 140 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only 7 grams of sugar. Brownie batter puffs are the perfect pick-me-up any day, and they're made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of healthy benefits. Brownie batter puffs will have you completely forgetting that you're eating a protein bar. No need to pinch yourself. This is real life, folks. Go to built.com to get brownie batter puffs now and use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. So that is promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off at built.com. Welcome back into the Locked On Leafs podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano. Dave Morris City with me. We're your hosts here at Locked On Leafs, a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast. And just because the Leafs decided to bow out in round one, we're sticking around through the entire playoffs. New episodes coming at you Monday through Friday. And then we'll even be giving you some content throughout the offseason as well. Locked On Leafs, a 365-day year-round podcast, so make sure that you are subscribed wherever you get your audio form and also up on YouTube. You can watch some video. Go ahead, leave the leave a like uh, and, and leave a comment about uh, what do we want today's kind of question to be. How about this, Dave? How about this? Are you more or more or less angry about the round one exit knowing what just happened in the Tampa Bay in Florida series, Dave, the fraudula Panthers go out and get dummied. They just get swept by the Tampa Bay lightning without Braden point. I might add one of the better players on that squad Four straight games. The president's trophy winners are out. The president's trophy curse is still well alive and the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, are moving on to the Eastern Conference Final for a third straight year. Uh, Dave, what, what are your thoughts on kind of what we just saw, the the beatdown that Tampa laid on Florida? Well, yeah, I mean, if you're a Leafs fan, look, nothing is going to make you feel better about losing that first-round series. If you're going to take any comfort with the Panthers looking absolutely terrible against Lightning, that's fine. I'm of the of the belief that the Leafs screwed themselves. They didn't get the job done. And Tampa, there, what it was was just Tampa taking their playoff experience and telling the Panthers, "You've never done it before, so we're gonna make we're just gonna take it all to you." And I still think the the main reason why they won this series is the guy in goal, Andre Vasilevsky. You got goaltending like that. 
it'd be almost a shame if you didn't get the sweep because I like that's that goaltending performance in that second round was unbelievable. Do you want to pull up that statistic uh, about Andre Vasilevsky in his seven game series clinching games, his last seven series clinching games? Look at this. This is insane. He's got a 995 save percentage, a 0.14 goals against, and six shutouts in seven games. Seven He's allowed one goal in seven serious clinching games. The Maple Leafs are the team that scored that one goal, I might add, by the way. But that's it. They've got one goal allowed in seven serious clinching games, dating back to winning their first Stanley Cup title a couple of years ago. I mean, Andre Vasilevsky, this guy, I, I was having this discussion on the Locked On uh, National Show. And it, this this discussion was kind of being had uh, throughout the night. I mean, where does Andre Vasilevsky has he already cemented himself on the Mount Rushmore of goaltenders with what this guy's been able to do the last few seasons when it matters most in the postseason? Like those numbers are just unbelievable. Zero point one four goals against through seven series clinching games. You can't be more clutch than that. Cannot no. be more clutch than that. No, you can't. Like. He is definitely like I thought he was a top ten goaltender of all time when I saw his performances in the last two see two times he's won a Stanley Cup, and then what does he do? He's he's putting Tampa in the best position to get a three P. Like goaltending like this, you don't see it every day. This this is there's a reason why Tampa gave him all that money. It's because they 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 need Andre Vasilevsky like. I don't know where this Tampa team would be without him because you don't get to where you are without your goaltender. Like I've never seen stats like this before. Not right. even in the Patrick Waugh, Dominic Hasek, who I would I was always of the belief that Dominic Hasek was the most dominant goaltender because he just flat out could just steal games out like he found not, every single way possible to stop a puck. Yeah. He he did whatever he had to. He threw himself wherever he needed to. Quite literally, like would just throw his body yeah. and make the the most acrobatic stops. Vasilevsky, his size, the way he uses his size, and the flexibility he has, like it's just not fair. No, like the thing is, he's he's six foot five, but can also make like the behind the back saves. He can also make the scorpion kick type of save. He also stacks the pads and does a full windmill as if he's Chris Osgood. Like the dude's unbelievable what he's able to do. Uh, and I, I mean, I, I think he's, he's gotta be in the conversation, man, for definitely up in the top five for greatest goaltenders of all time. I, I mean, I, I've, as much as we love Carey Price in this country, I don't know if we've ever seen a dominant stretch like what Vasilevsky has done the last few seasons out of Carey Price. I mean, he, the year that he won gold and he unfortunately got hurt, like he was a terrific, goal, you know, terrific goaltender, won the MVP and everything, but ultimately wasn't able to really get it done when it mattered most and, and wasn't like it didn't get six shutouts in seven series clinching games. Like that's just 
unbelievable. Now, credit to Tampa as a whole, right? Like the whole squad, obviously. The the team as a whole limited the Florida Panthers to three goals through the series. The Florida Panthers were the number one offense in the NHL in the regular season. The number one offense. They limited them to three goals the entire series. And for the first time all year, all year, the Florida Panthers were shut out in a game, and it happened to be in game four tonight. Yeah, when I look at what the Leafs were able to do in their series and what the Panthers couldn't do, like it's really mind-boggling because Tampa had this was the first time Tampa got shut out all season. Florida, sorry, yeah, this time first time Florida has gone shut out all season. I'm just like I couldn't like I I had to I went through the game logs actually. I'm like wow, that's actually that that happened. Like it, it just goes to show that, um, and I think somebody pointed out that the same thing happened with Montreal last year, where they beat the Leafs in seven, and then they swept the uh, the Jets in the second round. Um, I, I just think once you get out of a battle tested series like that, and look, Washington was—I mean, Washington kind of exposed Florida a little bit too. I think I think they were, Florida was a vulnerable team. I just didn't think that they were going to – I thought this was going to be like the offensive showcase for both teams. Dude, and I, I, Tampa, I had Tampa win in the series, right? I had Tampa winning the series, but I figured it'd be six games or so. I think Tampa and six is where I took them. Mm-hmm. But here's why – and you, you say that they showed they have vulnerabilities, and it's correct, and it's a lot of the same things that they got away with in the regular season. The Florida Panthers had one power play goal the entire playoffs, came in game three. That was the they didn't score a single power play goal against Washington and somehow still won that series, right? They kind of snuck away with it. And then they didn't they they got one in in the series against Tampa Bay. So special teams not being there, that's a problem. That's a problem. And then also they had to come back in three of the four victories against Washington. They came from behind to win those games twice in overtime. So they just snuck past the Washington Capitals, right? And we know that they have the the reputation of being the comeback cats. I mean, the Leafs were up, what, 5-1 or 6-2 on them at one point uh, in the season, and they came back and they tied the game and ended up winning. Like that, that They had the reputation as the comeback cats, but against that squad, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the second they get out to an early lead, you're not coming back on them. And that's exactly what happened. They couldn't claw out of of the hole that they had dug themselves in uh whenever they allowed Tampa to score the first goal of the game. They didn't they didn't switch a lead. They had the lead in I think it was they scored the first goal of the series and they had a one nothing lead, but they never had a lead for the rest of the series. You're not going to win against Tampa that way. You're just not going to win against no. Tampa. And, it's not going to happen. And I think what the Leafs learned is Tam- and I saw in that first series was once Tampa gets a lead Good luck. They shut it down. Now they did come back. Like the least did come back and score, you know, in, in game, game five and six. Those were the two games right. where they show that they can overcome a deficit. Right. But then Tampa in game six, they're just like, okay, we're still the defending champs. We can even take the lead back or well, in this case, tie the game and then win it in overtime. Right. But yeah, no, this was, this was Tampa is showing. I hate to say this sounds so cliche, but they just they, they're showing that they know what it takes to win. Yeah, show them why they're the champs. Before we move on, 
I want to talk about the President's Trophy curse. And I don't want the Maple Leafs to win the President's Trophy next year, and this is why. Because this is now the fourth straight year that the President's President's Trophy winner had been eliminated after losing four straight games. So back in 2019, Tampa wins it. For those on on YouTube, you can see the – what we're looking at here, the tweet in 2019, Tampa Bay, that unbelievable season that they had, they dropped four straight swept by the Columbus blue jackets the following year in Boston in the second round, they won game one, but then lost four straight to the Tampa Bay lightning in the second round 2021 last year, the Colorado avalanche, they won the first two games going up 2-0, and then lost four straight to the Vegas golden Knights. And this year, the Florida Panthers, won themselves the President's Trophy. Congratulations on your regular season award. But guess what happened? They dropped four straight in the second round and got eliminated by the Tampa Bay Lightning. The President's Trophy curse, ladies and gentlemen, has some merit. It's got some merit. And maybe the Maple Leafs don't want to win that award next season uh, because it seems to be cursed. And the Leafs already have enough curses when it comes to uh, when it comes to the playoffs, I don't think they need that one as well. Um, all right, Dave, why don't we take a, a quick break, one more, and then when we get back, Nazim Kadri. Um, man, this guy can never stay out of the headlines in the playoffs, but this time it's not really his fault, and he's not the bad guy here when it comes to uh, when it comes to this situation. Also, add one hell of a game four for the Colorado Avalanche. We'll get into that and more on the other side. Here, you're listening to Locked On Leafs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome back into the Locked On Leafs Podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano. With me, Dave Morissuti. We're your hosts here at Locked On Leafs. Uh, Dave, the Maple Leafs are no longer in the Stanley Cup playoffs. There are a few former Leafs that I've been keeping an eye on, and one Nazem Kadri, Nazim the Dream, is somebody obviously out in Colorado we're keeping an eye on to see how the abs do, how he does, and uh, he couldn't possibly do it again is what we all are wondering, all right? couple, couple of straight years here where he's you know, caught someone and he's been suspended for some hits and it happened again last year, and we're thinking it couldn't possibly happen again. Now, he didn't get suspended for running into Jordan Bennington in game, uh, was it game three? Yeah, yeah in game, game three. three. Didn't get suspended, and it wasn't, you know, intentional, and there was no suspension. It wasn't a suspension-worthy play, but, of course, it put him back into the spotlight here in the playoffs. Uh, do you want to get into exactly the situation that's going on with Nazem Kadri, and then we can, after that, go into what we saw happen in game four? Yeah, no, just an unfortunate situation for Kadri because I'm I'm of the belief that yeah it wasn't a great hit Kadri I didn't like his explanation and saying that he got pushed into Bennington when he was actually behind the avalanche player that was going to the net so didn't really make sense there um I don't think he meant to hurt Bennington no I don't think so like I think people need like that that was not what was happening there I just think you know Kadri is a guy that you know, love him or hate him, he's gonna go all out and trying to to score. And the unfortunate part here isn't what happened in the game, but what happened after the fact, and that they had to involve the police because of remarks 
and threats being sent Kaji's way. Like, are we just at a point now where, like, you know, Kadri just has to live with this and accept this? Like, sure, what he did, if you're a Blues fan, sucks because you lost your a goaltender that helped you make this series competitive, and mm-hmm. then it kind of changed the complexion of the series. I get that, but there's just no excuse for that. I was. It's a very unfortunate situation. I had to call police to ensure there was extra security for the game tonight, which. Like, like, are we, is that where we have to get to? Like, it's, it's a hockey hit beat, guys. It does not need to get to this point. And unfortunately it did. It got to this point. And I, I will give Kadri a lot of credit because he didn't let it phase him. We have seen it in the past where he has allowed emotions to get the better of him. In this game, there was, there were in game four, there was some of that, but he was able to channel it in the right way, I think. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll get to the game in a second. I just want to read a tweet here from uh, Akeem Aliou. He's good friends with Nazem Kadri through that whole situation, and he texted uh, texted them apparently. And Kadri reached out to him, and Aliou tweeted this. He said, uh, "Talk to Kadri about the inadvertent collision with Bennington. Naz has been subject to so many racist attacks and threats since last night." that police had to be brought in racist attacks like this have no place in hockey. It should be investigated and reported on. And like you said, Dave, um, the avalanche were, you know, they notified the police right away and they ended up getting more security down at the the game um, that took place game four in St. Louis, obviously. And as of now, you know, he's, he's getting threats, which is not okay, but it doesn't look like there was any physical harm. That was done to to Nazem Kadri, but it's just it's it's disgusting and despicable. I mean, it's a it's a game at the end of the day, and if you watch the hit, it doesn't look like he necessarily tried to hurt the guy, like you alluded to, and they're making him out to be a villain once again because of his previous history. And yeah, I guess previous history speaks for itself, but this isn't the same. And it, it even still, it's it's I absolutely just feel so so badly. For Nazem Kadri, he's gonna have to carry that baggage with him for the rest of his life, and it's just absolutely brutal. And then you fast forward to tonight's game, or last night's game, I guess, if you're listening to this uh, Tuesday. First and foremost, Avalanche they won the game, go up three one, five three win. Nazem Kadri, funny enough, hat trick performance, stemming off of uh, everything that had happened in Game Three. So clearly. He's unfazed by everything that's going on off the ice, not allowing it to affect his on-ice performance. In fact, maybe fueling him uh, at this point in the playoffs, at this point in this game. But here's what I thought was kind of disgusting that was happening. The Blues really trying to get their retribution here in Game 4. I didn't like it, not one bit. Uh, Some of the things that we saw, clear targeting, of Nazem Kadri going after him in scrums, you know, some late hits. And then the one that I thought was really greasy, do we have uh, visuals of that for those uh, who are watching it on YouTube? This is the one that I thought was the greasiest of them all. David Perron, who's having a hell of a playoffs. He's a great player as a whole. Just a stupid, stupid, gutless move. So this happened after Nazem Kadri, play, play the video here, Nazem Kadri scores uh, his second goal of the game, and there he goes. And then if you could see this uh, on the replay, he goes to celebrate, and David Perron, for whatever reason, thought it'd be a good idea to try and chicken wing clip uh, Nazem Kadri in the jaw. 
Yeah, see right, right there. Tries to get him in the jaw. You can see him right up there. He's got the chicken wing. Clearly was going after him during the celebration. And that's just despicable and disgusting to me. That is intent to injure. That is targeting the head. That, to me, has all the makings of what should be a suspendable play. I know he didn't actually make contact. And the only reason why he didn't is because Kadri, I guess, saw, it looks like he saw it and, and moved last second, kind of dodged it. Luckily, uh, because that could have been really that could have been some damage right there. Uh, but to me, that's that's a suspendable play, Dave. I don't know where you sit on that. Well, I think the fact it's getting so much attention, I think the NHL is more inclined to look at it now. Um, no, I thought it was a despicable play, yeah, because intent there's intent. It's a play where it's not even a hockey play, the game, the goal scored, play is suspended. Those are the types of plays that the NHL cannot tolerate. Like no, I, no. I, I kind of sl- like slowed it. Down. I, I kind of froze the frame here for those who are uh, listening on the audio form. And like Perron is trying to make it look nonchalant, which, buddy, come on! Like we know exactly what you're doing because we saw what happened earlier in the game where you and Bushnevich took your licks on Kadri. Unfortunately, well. Fortunately for Colorado, they were able to pot the goals on the five on three. But for the St. Louis Blues, they went into this game saying, we're not going to let this phase us. We're not going to take retribution. And gee, one in one year out the other, as they say, clearly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that that's just it's just despicable to, to, to see that happen. <laughs> Um, so I feel for Naz, obviously former Maple Leaf, but you know, he's having an unbelievable year. He's trying his best to not have controversy throughout this playoff stretch. And unfortunately, controversy seems to follow this guy wherever he goes. And now even into this game, you know, now everyone's going to be talking about the elbow that he dodged, but should there be a suspension on David Perron? I think so. We'll see what ends up happening there. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, the Avs now up 3-1. Kadri, like I said, ended up with a hat trick in this game. So he got the last laugh, and now they're going back to Colorado with a chance to end this thing in five games. And, and Kadri can go through to the, the, the conference final for the first time in his career. And um, yeah, so so we'll see what ends up happening there. But that's certainly a story that we're going to be tracking to see what happens with David Perron. Maybe see if there's any type of uh, any type of of um, punishment that potentially could come here. All right, Dave, uh, I think that'll do it for us here today on the pod. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms. I receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morissuti. Follow the show at Locked On Leafs. Leave a like, a comment on YouTube as well. You can subscribe there. And uh, also leave a review on iTunes if you could. That would be fantastic as well. A rating and review goes a long way to helping us out here. Uh, we'll be back with another episode tomorrow morning folks but until then keep it locked right here on lockdown leaves